What's happening everyone? It's Kyle from Magpie247 as we are in episode 11 and we've got our first live guest today, Paul. I mean, we've had Christopher and we've had Rubenstein sending clips as part of the season review, but we've got our first live guest and he's a part of a brand new channel, Paul, Magpie Center, um, set up a couple of weeks ago, but we're going to go on a bit more about that later, but we're joined by Hi. Owen Shepard, a former face or a former voice uh, whatever it may be as a audio content and um, <laughs> formerly of newcastle fans tv now with magpie center and uh, how are you doing the day mate i'm good thanks yourself i not too bad it's a uh, it's been a it's been a bit of a bit of a shitty weather kind of thing here uh the showers off and on i haven't been able to really do much i've been cold for most of the day but um paul however you've been you've been proper marching on haven't you <laughs> Hard at graft. I was in my garage. I was looking to try and see if Steve Bruce was in there or Joe Linton. Neither of them are in the my garage, but you know, you, n- you never know, do you? There's not been anywhere else from Newcastle. So. Bruce is in hiding after getting a good hiding off um off Middlesbrough in the in a friendly, but um, I don't think he's quite hiding in Paul's garage. That would be a threat well. to life. <laughs> it would be, it would be. No, he hasn't been seen, has he? Now for is it something like 10, 11, 12 days? He hasn't given any media. Uh he hasn't done anything at Newcastle. Uh so he joins Joe Linden in the suspiciously missing. Uh he's not been on uh, the Newcastle's own uh media uh channel uh, on YouTube. He's not been anywhere at all. So he's normally the one that tells us stuff, Kyle. And he's think, not about, I so think, you know. I think Jolton put on his Instagram actually, Paul, that he's back in the northeast. I think he's done a selfie outside, like on the on the Millennium Bridge. So I think he is back in Newcastle, which is which is good because. I hope he's brought his shooting boots. <laughs> I hope so as well. With uh, the way we went on last season, but a striker's there, so that's a that's a good thing. Um, but we've got to go. We've got to cover this friendly first, man. I mean, we'll oh. get be five one off Middlesbrough. And Owen, they didn't do any live coverage on Twitter or anything, so you just see the result. Um, what was your first reaction to, to seeing 5 1 defeat against a team that only just stayed up in the championship last season? Um, we're talking about Steve Bruce and Joe Linton being missing, but let's be honest, that defense is missing somewhere. I don't know where it's gone, whether they're you know, still on the summer holidays or whatever, but um, it's a good job it's only a friendly because if that that had been a league result or a cup result then all hell would have broken loose on uh, on twitter and the like so yeah obviously it's disappointing but it's only pre-season that's the way i like to look at it it kind of shows you um where where we need to fix as if we didn't know already um and i think there's there's players that definitely need to go out the door and like preseason results only like reinstate which ones do and which ones don't. So disappointing, but like you can sort of look past it and just say it's preseason. I mean, we're, gonna, uh, we're gonna win, man. We're gonna, we're gonna win. We're gonna win on aggregate. Don't worry about it, lads. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna smash them four or five nil. On Monday, yeah, I will play them on Monday in a, in a replay. I think at the state at the same park, but I haven't seen a defeat like it in pre-season since we got beat off uh, late in Orient uh, before the championship season started. And I remember when that happened, and it 
I, I remember speaking to Kevin Nolan about when I interviewed him uh, a couple of years ago now when he was like, that was the catalyst for change. Now, I don't know if this defeat against um, Middlesbrough is going to have the same effect because um, it's beh it's fairly behind closed doors. It's not very much in public. It's known among the Newcastle fan base, and that's about it, really. So I don't think it's got the same effect, but I do agree with Owen. It does show you where you stand in terms of some players. And I think there's a couple that have been painted clear, Paul. Um, Florian Lejeune was at fault for four of the goals I've seen in the highlights out, uh, out of the five. Um, it is a really sad one for me because I think the youth says in the past he's your favourite of the defenders. But I think this these two anti-cruciate ligament injuries, two major aye, injuries aye. to the cruciate ligaments on either leg. And it's been, I think it's just a step too far for him to get back up to, to the top level. Do you, do you agree? Yeah, yeah, it's it's taking his pace away from him. Um he looked more than a yard short of pace when he came back last season uh, with the little bit of football that he played. Uh, the last couple of years, he's barely had any game time at all. He's been ravaged by injury. Technically, on his day, um, the best defender, like pound for pound or whatever you want to say, at Newcastle, a very technically gifted player. But is he Premier League standard anymore? <laughs> on the evidence of what we've seen, and being responsible for four goals out of the five you've conceded, uh, you can sort of see now why Steve Bruce is looking at the centre back. I've also heard murmurings, obviously, about Fabian, uh, you know, share as well. So it could be that one or two out of that back line are going, and you don't know if they are going. Are they protecting themselves a little bit? Are they looking after their own interests? Are they not playing as committed as maybe what they should have? But uh, yeah, Middlesbrough's attack absolutely uh, destroyed them. You know, it was literally went up in no loop type job, and uh, the <laughs> it, it was absolutely X-rated. It really, yeah. really wasn't at the back. And uh, you know, the, the only saving grace is that he didn't give away the penalty kick right at the end to make it five. But apart from that, he's had an absolute uh, meh Lejeune like, and um, you, you feel you, you do you feel sorry. It's the same way that I sort of feel sorry every time Andy Carroll breaks down. You know, you're like, great player. If he was fit, he'd be fantastic and he'd be a first, you know, one of the first names on the team sheet. But the bodies are telling both players, in my opinion, that um, your time is up, especially Lejeune. I think he needs to go to a, a slower league. Um, I don't know, maybe the Italian league or something like that. Mm, fair enough. But to play devil's advocate, Owen, I mean, he hasn't had much game time in the last two years because of these injuries i mean he played a little bit in late december when he got chucked in at the deep end fresh from his injury and we conceded quite a few goals and i remember that game on new year's day against leicester where he was atrocious in that first half he gave way to two easy passes which led to goals for for leicester but are we writing him off a little bit too early do you reckon um is there a chance that maybe we should give him a chance, give him a couple of more pre-season games to see if he can see if he can get up to speed or give him a couple of months in the Premier League to get up to speed or is it just a case where get him out as soon as possible and look at maybe a Rob Holden or someone like that to come in? What do you reckon? Uh, first of all, I think it's a real shame um, after the news we've had today about we're looking to shell, sell either one of Cher or Lejeune because I quite like them both like as much as Cher didn't have a good season last season, he's definitely still quality. Lejeune, 
it's a real pity because I remember the season we signed him. I was like, who the fuck is that when we signed him? And then, um, you know, got injured in the first game. He came back against Man United on Dubravka's debut. Had an absolute stunner of a game. And then sort of just kicked on from there. And I remember, like, it was a game against Huddersfield where he just kept pinging these balls over the top. And I was like, I've never seen a centre-half that's been able to pass like that before. Um, one that's played for us, anyway. And... Then he's just got that other injury again, and like he's just been so unfortunate. And then to be chucked in at the deep end, like forced as well. This wasn't Bruce's poor decision making. This was a forced decision because we had fuck all defenders. Um, to be chucked in at the deep end and then to make those mistakes, it sort of just it makes you want to write him off because of like the anger and those. But when you stand back and look at it, you go like, this guy's just come back from like two serious knee injuries. Um, is it being expected to play 90 minutes of football against probably one of the most informed teams in the league in Leicester? And he makes two mistakes. Um, yeah, it's it's poor. Like, and but I think like, I want to look past it because you give you give him time to come back. You give him a run of games in the Premier League where he can actually establish some form, and he's going to be one of the top top defenders again as long as he doesn't bust his knee again. You know what I mean? So. It, it's a it's a shame, and I would like to see him given a chance, but I just feel like we're not going to see that, um, or we could see it if Share goes. But to be honest, I think with like Rob Holding, who's been linked, I I I'm, I think I think I don't know whether I'm wrong here, but I think he might be one of the first players to come in out of the ones that have been linked this week. Um, yeah, I've heard talk about medicals yeah. and all that. Um. But Rob Holding is definitely the player that I think will replace Cher or Lejeune because, and to be fair, I think he probably is a better player in terms of potential. He's younger, um, played for top club. I think Arsenal fans definitely rate him. I don't know why Arsenal want to loan him out because he's probably one of their better defenders. But um, yeah, I think I'd be quite pleased with the acquisition of Holding, even if it is on loan. To be honest, Owen, I think the reason they probably want to get rid of him is because he's not sexy enough of a name. You know, I think they're a club who wants to attract the top names, the biggest names, to appease the fan base and to try and push on into the Champions League. I think he's a very good, useful uh, defender. But we're, by, we're happy to go for the Chris Bollins of the world, the Holdens of the world, the players who probably haven't got the name or the current reputation or whatever. The likes of Arsenal and stuff will just sign these, you know, expensive imports coming in uh, on huge wages and not maybe give the opportunities week in, week out to the likes of, you know, uh, Holden and stuff. I do think he'll probably will be the, one of the first ones in. It seems a very straightforward, sensible deal uh, from a Steve Bruce perspective. I personally would have put all the pressure on getting the attackers sorted, first of all. Yeah. But Bruce is, is building clearly from the back. Um, and like you say about Lejeune, it, it, it is, it's such a tragic shame, but I just think in the Premier League, uh, you've got to be able to keep up, and some of the defending against Middlesbrough that he was uh, displaying, it, it was pretty schoolboy-esque, it was comedy, if there was Benny Hill music, it would have been complete. Um, if he is to resurrect his career, if he is given that opportunity, and I'm not sure whether Bruce probably rates him or not, then he's got to grasp it with both hands, because 
I just don't think you can afford to, to put him in a Premier League game and a couple of Premier League games and for him to make mistake after mistake after mistake. So it's a big call that Bruce has to make because he's a class, class defender. But um, I don't know. I think the time may be up for Cher and uh, Lejeune as well. I've got a feeling that Bruce is going to move potentially, like you said, definitely one, potentially both on just to free up uh, wages and to see what else he can do because clearly he is wheeling and dealing at the moment. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I was just about bringing that point up actually. I can see Steve Bruce getting rid of both of them and I think with Lejeune, I think when he like if he does go, I think we will have to pay a heavy tribute to him because I think he falls under the the Woodgate kind of like section of quality player but plagued by injuries, I think. Um, he, he joins the illustrious list of likes of Ledley King, Jonathan Woodgate, as I say as before. You mean famous Newcastle players over, over the years, not just um, defenders, but like Sakir and Dyer, who was injury plagued towards the end, Bellamy towards the end, even though his latter years weren't at Newcastle. They're all these players that have had it, loads of injuries, and I think Lejeune unfortunately will go onto that list because when he first came in under Benitez, he was absolutely unreal. I think the night we played and beat. Man City 2-1, Lejeune was was unbelievable that night um, and he had a few unbelievable displays and I think with Fabian Scher, it's a shame. I think it's more of an attitude issue because it's came out that he has had had a bit of a problem with Steve Bruce over the over like the last few months and the proof is in the pudding with it because I remember the FA Cup game against Man City where he was just lazily jogging into position. He gets turned on the half turn by Sterling and he just curls it into the bottom corner. And I'm thinking, what a lazy man. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're, I think we'll campaign for him to play a CDM last season, Paul, uh, if we're short on, on players in that position. But um, for me, it's just... Uh, I, I I just don't think he likes Steve Bruce at all, and I think Bruce has been praised for man management with certain players, but he hasn't got the best out of there. Uh, nah, he hasn't. I think no, it's not when you look back to Rafa and stuff like that, and how he got the best out of Fabian Share. And to be fair to Share, he wasn't the only one who's had a few uh, problems with Bruce. I've I've been critical of. I mean, he wasn't my choice, but he was the choice. He came in, and I think his squad management has been absolutely dog shit. You know, especially when the games have been coming thick and fast, not you know, rotating, not protecting players, picking up stupid injuries, risking players, stupid tactics, having to rely on luck rather than how else. You know, there's a long list of critiques you can make of Steve Bruce. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised somebody like Fabian Cher has had a bit of a go. Uh, and it's just a shame that he can't work, Bruce can't work with Cher to be able to sort these problems because. Uh, Form is temporary, class is permanent, and we all know, I think all three of us would agree, that Fabian Chair, who's got his mind on the job, who was linked to Spurs, not last summer, the summer before, um, would be a fantastic asset for most, you know, for most clubs and most teams. And it's good to see a great player not with his head in the right place. And that's that's really, yeah. really disappointing. I think though, if you look at it, uh, or oh what, sorry? I was going to say, like, obviously, Paul just talked there about Steve Bruce's squad management, and that's it makes a very fair point with what we've got. He's been poor, but, and I'm not usually one that sticks up for Bruce, but you look at it from a standaway perspective, there's not enough 
depth in that like quality and depth in the squad to be able to go right we're going to go for the cups but you can't properly go for the cups if you haven't got a decent squad to rotate we've had to play our first team in FA Cup competitions in a midweek game because we don't have quality and depth I mean we've tried to improve it season upon season upon season and hopefully this season is the one where we bring in Wilson and Fraser and we have quality and depth after them but like you look at last like you look at last season like when we played the cups okay we brought in Bentaleb Lazaro whatever but these players were brought in to play in our first team as well so like post January so what was like who do who does then fill in you can't expect Christian Atsu to then fill in and put the same shift in as Alan San Maximan. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't expect Christian Atsu to do absolutely no to, uh, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect Christian Atsu to compete with a non-league winger, but um, there we are. To counteract that own with with Bruce's squad management, I remember a particular couple of games would just be Sheffield United on the first game of the restart, and then we played again a couple of days later, and then a couple of days after that, we played Man City in the cup, and they were fairly close together, but Bruce persisted with the same squad in the second game after we played Sheffield, I think it was. Um, right. and, and that kind of, that's where the problem started with the injuries. And yeah, I completely understand we need to make a better go of the Cups and that. And you, you can only use what he's, what's at his disposal. But I think he had a heavily, heavy reliance on a couple of players. And there was five or six times a season where ESM looked more than knackered, he looked he, he looked injured while he was playing. And like obviously, I know how key of a player he is, but there's no use injured. Do you know what I mean? And I think Bruce's squad management was was piss poor towards yeah. the end of the season. And um, there was like a four same at Christmas. Yeah, there was like a four or five game period after the restart where we're safe. We're out the FA Cup, and there was a couple of dud games where they were just uh, we're getting to the end of the season, and there was loads of players he could have gave a chance. Mutu, um, Balazar, the list goes on. Who we could have gave chances to? Kelland Watts, you know, the, the, all these players he could have gave chances to, and he just didn't. And he's like, "Oh, we'll look at it at pre-season." Well, you've got Premier League games, empty stadiums, so there's little pressure for these players. Like blood them, see what they can do, and then you know going into pre-season. All right, well I tried him in competition, and he, he, he's not that good, so we'll move him on, kind of thing. And he just didn't do that. But back on to um, Lejeune and, and Cher, and I think unfortunately for Cher, I think he's just be. I think Bruce likes a certain type of defender. He likes blood and guts, and someone who's a bit more physical and doesn't pass the ball as well. Because I, I don't think. Any, I don't think we've got a defender who's as technical. <laughs> Mini <player>. Bruce. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> the amount of times he's signed his son, uh, very similar to the way he used to play. But, like, for me, I think Cher's just been a victim of the system kind of thing. And it's a shame because he's, he's heads down and his attitude's a bit off. But, yeah, it's, it, it'd be a shame to see him leave because he, he, like Lejeune, had a couple of magical games in a Newcastle shirt. I remember that Leicester away. We beat them 1-0. Um, he marked Vardy out the game that night on the Friday night, um, and he was probably one of the reasons we kept a clean sheet. So for me, it is going to be sad to see see them go because I personally think both of them will be let go. But if they're replaced by Rob Holden, the way we've got to look at it is lads, 
Um, we'll play. We'll be playing four at the back next season. There'll be four centre backs there, so it it kind of makes sense in a way. But yeah, it'll be sad to see them go uh, regardless. But um, what do you reckon? Do you reckon Lejeune and Shell go? Or do you think one of them will stay and one of them will go? Or do you reckon both of them will stay? What do you reckon? I think I think one of them will go, but I wouldn't be surprised if both go. If you if you get where I'm coming from. Yeah, um, yeah of course. Plainly because if we do end up playing the back four next season, then we don't need six and a halves. We're probably looking at four or five. Um, I don't know which one's going to go because they've both had a really, really rough time. Uh, to be honest, I think Bruce still rates Cher more than Lejeune. Um, but what that comes down to, I'm not sure. But to touch on like the whole Rob Holden situation again, I think Bruce is quite keen on keeping like a... Uh, a British Irish type um, feel within the squad because you look at the players he uses on a regular basis. He's got the best out of Shelby. He gets Hayden playing well every week. He keeps Jamal Sells in as as captain. He's now bringing Rob Holding in, who's English. Um, you know he quite likes Richie. He brought in Rose. All these players that like are of English type. A certain kind of player, aren't they? Yeah. Jeff Hendrick as well. Jeff Hendrick. I think he quite likes that. That, like, not like they've not got flair. They're not anything special, but they get the job done. I think he quite likes what, that. What's so he's not playing Lampard? And I think that's exactly what we're going <laughs> to. Jeff Hendrick's not playing Lampard? No? <laughs> Hold <laughs> the back page. <laughs> no, I, um, I get what you mean, mate. Uh, it's an English call that aiming for, um, linked yeah. with the likes of Carl Wilson, Ryan Fraser, um, having Lascelles in the team, Clark Irish, Hendrick Irish, Hayden Shelby. Yeah, it's a, it's like a British Irish call, and it's. I think he's it's a bit like Burnley-esque, isn't it? You know, like Burnley, yeah, a bit Burnley, yeah. a bit Sheffield United, where it's like. Um, it's it's just industrious. It'll work hard and it'll it'll grind out results, kind of thing. I think that's what he's aiming for. He's aiming for a team that can hit forty points again. But he also says in press conferences, "We're not a team that stagnates." But um, yeah, it's one of them. I mean, we've still got two friendlies to go. I think we've got one this coming Saturday, and we've got one on Monday as well. Uh, the rematch against the mighty Borough. But um, yeah, in terms of friendlies, we'll probably. We'll probably cover them next week on uh, on Magpie twenty four seven when in next week's cover up. But um, speaking of Ryan Fraser, I did want to talk about him a little bit more because it came out on multiple sources today, Sky Sports, um, all that stuff that um, he's fairly close to signing for Newcastle. He wants to move up the northeast to be a little bit closer to his family, um, and he's he's turned down Crystal Palace to come to Newcastle, but. Um, uh, me and Paul were speaking before you joined on, and um, he hasn't had much match day fitness. So, is there any is there any real reason you would think to not go ahead with this kind of deal? Definitely not. Um, I look at like so, from being down here, uh, being down Bournemouth way, you learn a lot about the go the goings on. Um, I'm fully expecting a comment about like a Bournemouth tattoo right now. So, so <laughs> got it last week. you got it last week, um, mate. Don't worry. Um, but uh, with Fraser, it's different. Like, he's definitely got an attitude on him. Um, 
I think what happened was after the 18-19 campaign where he had an absolutely outstanding season and only Eden Hazard got more assists than Ryan Fraser that season, um, he, he, he wanted a move to a bigger club. Um, he didn't get it that summer because he decided he was going to run his contract down at Bournemouth. Um, he was close to signing a new contract in like around January, February time. Um, but realised the position that Bournemouth were in and thought they probably wouldn't get out of it. Then came to the agreement with Eddie Howe that he wouldn't play much longer. And now he's in sort of the position where no top club wants him anymore. And um, Newcastle are, 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 are close to signing him. I would definitely take him because from the, not last season, the season before alone, he's definitely, like, he's a winger that can finish, which I think is rare to come across now, especially for free as well this 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 like he clearly has finishing ability he's quick he's tricky um again he's got that that english sort of hard working core in him as well the attitude does concern me um because obviously if he's acting like that at bournemouth or whatever then it does sort of concern me a little bit but i'm hoping that because he's like closer to home and like newcastle does seem to be the right destination for him that it's, we sort of get the best out of him. And he goes straight into the, into the system. If we're playing a 4-2-3-1, he slots straight in on that left-hand side. Um, and then we'll obviously have ASM on the other. So I think it, it definitely improves the squad. And this is what I've said a couple of times now to a few different people is, you look at the players we've signed in, recent, in past seasons, they haven't improved the first 11. They've improved the depth of the squad. Yeah. Whereas with Fraser... You're improving the first 11 and improving the depth of the squad at the same time. He goes straight into that first 11 and the player that would have been there now improves the squad. So I think that's probably the best way to go about it. And if we do sign him, it'll be a hell of a signing, I think. Yeah, he's a good player, like. uh, he is. And he keeps, obviously, anything that keeps Christian Atso away from the first team is a good thing. And anything that allows Miggy to be in the middle... I think he's more effective in the middle, Miggy, than he is when he's further out wide and he's drifting in and out of games. So keep Miggy in the middle. We'd have him on the left. You've got um, ASM on the other side. And if we can sign a a decent striker and keep everybody fit and manage the squad, then, you know, outside of the top six, the top eight, is there going to be many other teams who are as good as that, you know, on their day? Then you've got to say... No, you, you you can't really see it. You can't really see it. But with regards to attitude and stuff like that, I think, you know, good footballers do have the attitude. I mean, remember Craig Bellamy. Uh, I used to see him. I've seen him train and stuff like that. Obviously watched him playing in his in his time at Newcastle. And he was a gobshite, a whingy sword. He had such an attitude, such a chip on his shoulder. But he got the job done when it was on the park and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, he's a bit of a knobhead, like we all know that. But... um you know, if Fraser can come in, do the same sort of thing, add to that Brit- British uh, core, that mentality, that hard work, uh, that sort of Burnley-esque you know, uh, then, again, it's it's a very good deal. Again, on a free transfer, which will give Mike Ashley, Lee Charnley, um, you know, Keith Bishop and Justin Barnes, you know, erections all night long. And uh, they'll, they'll love that. A bit of a freebie, quality player. And, again, another... We do seem to be able to pull out a decent deal. You think of Dubravka as a fantastic deal. If we can get Fraser in for free, great deal. Uh, Hendricks came in for nothing. 
Uh, and, you know, like some Mick McCarthy and stuff have been speaking them up this week. Again, yeah. good deals, good deals all around. But it's just so frustrating and so slow and painstaking to be able to do deals like this when, when we're nitpicking and when we're looking for swaps and freebies and uh, looking to do deals and stage deals with like Matt Ritchie going in one way and Callum Wilson coming the other. So it's all a bit uh, crazy. But yeah, he definitely improves the first team picture uh, and he keeps Christian Atsu well away. Uh, and I'm still, I still got my fingers crossed. I've got the van ready and fueled up. So if Christian Atsu wants to go to Celtic, I'm more than willing to offer him uh, my services to be able to get him up to Glasgow and he can go and play for Celtic. You're not putting him in the front, are you, though, Paul? He's going in the back. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he'll, have to, he'll have to jump on the train. I'll take your stuff up and help him get out. But no, I, I don't think I can stand that couple of hours uh, talking uh, football with Christian Atso. Like, I mean, it might make for a good uh, view from the van video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but, you know what I mean? As he goes to Celtic. So, so <laughs> how do you feel about pissing off to Celtic finally after, be, after ruining my life for a couple of years? <laughs> but, Words to um, those effects. Yeah, I, I was going to talk about about, about uh, the outgoing, like the rumoured outgoings later on, but um, I, I, you can see what Newcastle are trying to do because obviously Ryan Fraser comes in and they're looking to get Callum Wilson in as well uh, from Bournemouth, and w- with a heavy heart, it seems Richie would be going the other way as a part of a deal. Um, now I've weighed up the pros and cons of this one personally, and I don't know what you think, Owen, but. Um, I think it's worth Newcastle's time to to swap out Matt Ritchie, um, have him go go back to Bournemouth, um, and we get the centre forward that we need. I, I do realise that leadership wise, in a, a voice in the dressing room, Ritchie's probably one of the big one of the bigger voices, and I, 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 I love I love Matt Ritchie. I do since he came in, he's just been his his work ethic and his determination has been second to none, but. Do you think it's worth getting getting rid of Matt Ritchie, someone who's th- who's this big character at Newcastle United to bring in, bring in a, a a potentially England international forward in um, Colin Wilson? Do you reckon? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I I thought about this myself with the Ritchie and Wilson deal, um, and if especially if we're signing Fraser on a free, um, it's like without a shadow of a doubt, like do it. Because uh, you've got your replacement for Richie there in Fraser, and you're bringing in an England international in Callum Wilson, who has been proven to score Premier League goals. I've seen people in the past few days talk about Wilson's injury record um, in the Premier League, and it's not actually that poor. It's not actually that poor at all. Um, he, he he's had some big injuries. Don't get me wrong, but he has when he has been playing, he's been great. The last season he wasn't too great, but Bournemouth weren't great at all. Um, from top to bottom, from from goalkeeper to striker, they were just poor, and um, that's what let them down in the end. But to bring him in, surely you've got to strip Jalinton of a number nine and hand to Callum Wilson straight off the bat. Straight get away, the fan, get the fans supporting Callum Wilson and make him like one that in that group of number nines that probably Papi Cisse fits into, and that sort of like a player. Make make him fit in that category. I, I, I definitely agree, mate. I think Callum Wilson deserves the number nine shirt if he was to come up here because I think the quality and the reputation of the player precedes that. I, I think it would be an insult to bring Callum Wilson up here, get rid of a, a good player like Matt Ritchie, a solid professional like Matt Ritchie, 
just to come in and give them like the number 29 shirt or something like it'd be a massive insult because because of the person who has it and no disrespect to Joel Linton, but if he's a number nine i'm an astronaut do you know what i mean it's like he's not he's not a, he's not a number nine has he got potential to be a good player yes but he's he's not a number nine i'm sorry like but he's just not Think for to bring in Callum Wilson, it makes sense for both parties. Um, they get a replacement for Fraser in Richie. Um, they get a solid professional in Richie, someone with good championship experience in, in him, and a player that knows the, the club of Bournemouth as well. And, and we get the, the strike I would desperately need in Wilson. Plus, I don't know how much more money will be on top, but I could imagine it's between 8 and 15 million um, on top of Matt Richie. But I know. Aston Villa are circling around, but Sky Sports are, are led to believe that um, they'd prefer our deal because of the quality Matt Ritchie will bring. And I think not to shoot down Ritchie too much because he had a he, he had a very mixed last season where he scored a couple of banger goals, but he also made a few mistakes as well. And he, he wasn't a one to make mistakes, Ritchie, but he, he started making them and like you start giving away stupid fouls and. You, you know, it, 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 it's just, it's, it, it's, it's one of them with Richie because whether he plays bad, plays good or whatever, you always get a hundred percent, and that was what I, I did love about Matt Richie. So I think if Lejeune, Cher, and Richie leave by the next episode, it's, a, it's going to be a massive emotional episode of tributes. But um, we're going to be, we're going to have more tributes than Queen next week, Paul. But um... <laughs> I, I would just say though, Kyle, on on the Callum Wilson one about giving him the shirt. I think it would be a masterstroke. I mean, not that Newcastle make many of these. Obviously, with Lee Charney and the man who can't change a, a light bulb, but it would be a it would be an absolute masterstroke because instantly you're going to be appealing to the fans, and also it's going to give him a massive boost. He's going to know that it was Shearer's shirt, the history of the shirt, the Supermax, and so on and so forth. He will know the history of that shirt. Um, so you know, at the end of the day. It's going to give him a boost and going to give him that extra maybe, uh, you know, leap. It's going to give him that extra stride as he runs on, you know, and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get better performances out of him. I also think it would help Joe Linton because it would take off an, a, a tremendous amount of stress uh, and pressure and fan, you know, fans getting onto him and stuff like that if he wasn't wearing that shirt. Give him any other shirt number, that's absolutely fine. Uh, like you said, I don't think he's an out-and-out striker and stuff like that. I think he's a fantastic athlete, don't get me wrong, but he's not got the natural sort of predator instinct and whatnot. The only other thing about Callum Wilson, of course, to think about for him is, if he comes to Newcastle, you can forget about any England career because Southgate don't doesn't... Him, <laughs> well, let's, let's be honest, though, but it is a consideration because Southgate once again has overlooked the Newcastle squad even when there was injuries that, that were mounting up and stuff like that, and you thought, can Isaac Hayden get in? No, of course he can't. It's that is a joke, though. Um, it is. Calvin Phillips getting you know. in instead of Hayden. Like, not being funny, I know Calvin Phillips is a decent player for Leeds, but Hayden had his best season for Newcastle. And it, for me, if Calvin Phillips is good enough to get into the England setup, then Hayden is more than more than able to for me. Like, um, you see much of Calvin Phillips player one. Not not much, um, but I've heard some very good things about him. I'd say Hayden's still unlucky, though, because Hayden's got Premier League experience where Calvin Phillips doesn't. Um, you can sort of see why Calvin Phillips has called him up, but like 
I think Hayden still gets in over the likes of Harry Winks, Eric Dyer. These players play for Spurs, but are they better than Isaac Hayden? I don't think so. Um, definitely not. So it's it's a it's a shame. Like I thought maybe even Lascelles might get a look in over the likes of like Michael Keane, who you don't really hear much about. Like he might play for Everton week in week out, but what does he do? Whereas Jamal Lascelles, like he's popping up here, he's popping up there, he's he's doing all sorts of things. I think fans outside, the, uh, fans inside the top six hear a lot more about Lascelles than they would about someone like Michael Keane or. Like mm. even people like I don't know Lewis Dunk when he was called up like is Lascelles better than Lewis Dunk? Heck yeah! Um, a couple more things I just like to touch on that like um, I missed out on a minute ago is Richie. I know we're going back to this, but Richie, Richie's view like Bournemouth's view on Richie. Um, obviously, okay, they'd be getting their replacement for Ryan Fraser, but um. From the football that Bournemouth play, and from what I've heard from mates who have watched them in pre-season so far, I don't think Richie fits their system, which which I, I, I just don't know. Uh, I don't think he could hold the deal up or anything. Um, but it's a bit of a just a bit of a weird one if he does end up going the other way. Um, another thing is as well with Callum Wilson to Villa, I, he won't move to Villa. I can one hundred percent guarantee he won't move to Aston Villa. Um, why but just it just doesn't seem like it doesn't seem right for him to move to Villa like they've got two strikers already Aston Villa and I don't think they're looking to get rid of either of them um, and just why would you move to Aston Villa over Newcastle United it just doesn't make sense to me in my head um, and like we touched on before as well if Wilson comes to Newcastle knowing he's going to get that number nine shirt, whereas at Villa, he'll just be another striker on the books. Yeah. If he comes to Newcastle knowing he's going to have that number nine shirt, that's got to be appealing to him, surely. Especially as someone who came out when he got his England call-up and said he looked up to Alan Shearer when he was younger, like had posters on his wall of Alan Shearer, um, you know, and like was congratulated by Shearer himself for having an England call-up. Like, surely you have to, you have to like take that opportunity if you're going to get the number nine and, and just and just snatch it and go yeah fuck off villa i'm going to newcastle right that's yeah if i'm him i'm doing that um, i might be a little bit biased but it's fair enough another thing last thing i promise um, talk all you want me <laughs> is like if newcastle don't sort like this thing out like if they don't say to Wilson, you could have the number nine. Like they've missed out on a massive marketing opportunity there as well. If they don't announce him holding the number nine shirt or something like that, they've missed out on a massive opportunity there to like stir something up. Because I think of last summer when we signed Joe Linton and we hyped up massively 40 million Brazilian wonder kid holding the number nine. You know what I mean? Like if we miss that, if, if we miss that opportunity by not giving Wilson the number nine, a proven English Premier League goal scorer who can do it all, run with it, yeah, he takes the box with it, head the ball, finish from outside and inside the box, um, improvise. You know, if we miss out on that, like probably the closest thing we're going to have to a number nine um, that we've had for a long time, to be fair. Yeah. Miss out on that opportunity then, like we've missed out on a load of revenue because people will go and buy a Newcastle shirt from the club shop 
whether we like it or not, <laughs> with Wilson nine on the back. Um, because it's just, it's a massive thing to have. It's a chance to win the fans over, and isn't it? At the end of the day, it's a, it's a chance for the club, for once, to do a, a bit of good PR. You've got a number nine there. You've got an English number nine. You've got an England, England international number nine who's spoken very fondly about Shearer. Um, obviously, from a from a, a similar cut, if you know what I mean, um, as, as well. And, uh, you know, from the club that, that has PR disaster after PR disaster, it's the opportunity for once to make a common sense good decision that's good for your marketing, it's good for your PR, it's good for putting bums on seats. Which is important going into the next season, and Absolutely. it's you know it's 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 going to be good, uh, you know, from shirt sales and all of that sort of thing. And as well, you can then go to corporate people and you can sell that. Uh, and they need to give themselves a little bit of a um, wiggle room, Newcastle, because the PR again, once again, for the entire last season and for the close season, has been absolutely shabby shit. You know, Charlie come out last year and said that communication was going to improve. It hasn't. That you know the the relationship between the fans and the club would get better. It hasn't, and this, like uh, Owen said, is a perfect opportunity to you know to try and repair a little bit of the damage, to try and come out with some good PR for once. And you'd think the likes of Keith Bishop and his agency would be able to sit down, see this, and just to be able to guide Newcastle. And for once, it's not a huge amount of you know money that you're pulling out if you're sending um, Mark Ritchie down there as well. So. You know, even from a money perspective and a deal and a financial side of it, it's a win-win-win all of the way. And you know, the fans, the fans are straight away that they're not going off to free transfer. It's it's a player from Burnley. It's this that near. It's you know, an England number nine type striker who's done very well and he's proven in the league. He's not so much of a risk like Joe Linton was a huge risk bringing him from Brazil to Germany, Germany over to here. You know what I mean? That was a huge risk. This one isn't so much. Well, 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 Chelsea were linked with him. Um, 70 million, <coughs> it was literally 18 months ago. Maybe Is that Frank Lampard? no man. Um, Chelsea wanted to buy Colin Wilson for, for 70 million. I think it was either last summer or January, just gone. Like, he was he was hot property. So, like, if Chelsea are willing to pay, like, out, out of like pay out the bank for him then Newcastle have a really good opportunity to go and get him. And it, it, as I say, it ticks all the boxes. I mean, there's a goal that was doing the rounds where he picked up the ball in West Ham's half, ran through their entire team and, and buried it. So, like, that's the type of striker you have. Do you know what I mean? And it would definitely raise... The, I love the, the West Ham goal, doesn't he? Loves the yeah, West Ham like, goal. We've got to get him signed up, man. Stop messing exactly. about. Get him signed yeah. up and get him in the team ready for the first game of the season. Right. Playing Wilson, who he's used to playing with, no... Wilson playing with Fraser, um, and they then have a pretty good partnership as well. Like, I spoke yeah, exactly. nineteen season. Cool. Yeah. Those two got a combined. Well, those two have a combined fifty-eight goals, goals and assists together since being in the Premier League, and since in the last three years in the Premier League. Sorry, and Newcastle in the last three years in the Premier League have eighty goals. So, you know that would massively improve. Like, they have a good partnership. They've played together. Like that. They're the ones that usually assist each other. Is is Fraser to Wilson, Wilson to Fraser. So, if we can get that going up there, and you got Miggy and ASM as well, I just wonder what we can do to teams. 
Honestly, we're going to have fun. With a solid defence as well, which is something Bournemouth yeah, did yeah. have last season. So, like, yeah. it gives them a bit more freedom to, to push forward and have a bit more, be more, be, be a bit more expressive. So, the sky really is the limit with something that is fairly, in terms of like getting a really good partnership on the cheap, it doesn't come around that often. So, for me, Newcastle need to get this deal and get it done because other teams around will later around with Lacey West Ham's, Lacey Crystal Palaces. They'll be looking at Newcastle and be like, well, why couldn't we do that? It's usually us looking at other teams and being like, why couldn't we do that? So it would be nice just for once, Newcastle to, to be ahead of the curve and, and try and make something happen that'll push up the league. But um, yeah, it's a no-brainer. I mean, hopefully when we record this next show, Paul, we're celebrating two um, very good signings indeed, uh, along with along with Rob Holden as well. Hopefully, but the only the only other major link I've seen we'll have this season is uh, Bernardo. No, not this season. This week, Bernardo from um, Brighton. Brighton back. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen much of him play. To be honest, Paul. To be honest, I was a little bit more infused about the Greek lad that we were after. You know, I did a bit of research after on him after the last one. And um, although some of his positional sense is a little bit here and there, he's a quick lad, this uh, Greek lad. So, um, to me, I would probably go down that. I mean, you know I'd have Jeff Jeffro Williams in in a heartbeat. But if you had to go with some of the ones we've been linked with in the past couple of days, I'd maybe go down that, um, you know, for the Greek lad uh, rather than, um, you know, him from uh, Brighton. It's just another loan, isn't it? So if we can do a good deal, a young, exciting uh, prospect, maybe shift a bit of Deadwood out, which will probably pay for the deal for that other lad. And then you've got Dummett and him. And then hopefully at some point, the club come to its senses and re-sign uh, Jeffrey Williams. And, you know, oh, I think it's got to go for Paul, I think Jeffrey Williams, is a, it, it makes sense because he's, he's now got Premier League experience. He actually wants to sign for Newcastle. You don't hear that much these days. You don't hear players being like, come and get us Newcastle, want to play for Newcastle. Um, when he's fully fit, he's a fantastic defender. And I think Dummett is a second-choice left-back. I think is a is a very good backup option as well. No disrespect to Bernardo, but I haven't really seen him play much to know much about him. So I would probably pass up on him for that reason. Because if he's not pulling up any trees in, in a Brighton and people aren't really talking about him, that to me would indicate he's either... Bang average, or he's not worth mentioning at all. I'll thing. tell you something, Kyle. The, the one player you don't want a bloody left back after I've seen him play against Middlesbrough because the Torum one, uh, DeAndre Yedlin was absolutely dog shite on the left hand side. I know he's a right back playing left back, and I was surprised that Mankio wasn't shifted over there, but he was absolutely horse shit against Middlesbrough. Um, and that lad needs to be shipped out. I'm, I'm sorry, like, but he's he may be quick and stuff like this, but he can't defend, he can't f- defend for Toffee. So, uh, if that's Bruce's plan, I'm not just judging it on one game, I'm judging it on the probably the last season or so. But after seeing him play in that Middlesbrough game, he got absolutely tortured by Middlesbrough with the greatest of respect to Middlesbrough. So, they're probably going to have a decent season this, this season uh, round under the new manager under Warnock and stuff like that. But, uh, nah, he was absolutely uh, taught a football and lesson. Who would you look at, Owen, um, in terms of the left-back? Would you look at the Greek lad? Would you look at Bernard or would you look at Willems or would you potentially look at another target kind of thing? Who would you um, look to go for? To be honest, I'd look at all of them. I mean, 
It's a bit of a weird one with villains because I see constantly on social media people like fans saying like, "Oh, like we should sign him, whatever, like get this done, whatever." But I haven't seen like a solid link to him anywhere recently. Like the Chronicle haven't reported that we're like in negotiations with him or like we're looking at him, which surprised me because apparently he's supposed to be on the dirt cheap as well, like seven, seven or eight million or something like that for Villams. Nothing um, fits uh, his caliber. Which, which is like absolutely incredible if we can get it for that much. Um, in terms of the Greek lad, I haven't seen a lot of him, but I've heard he is lightning quick. Like we're, we're talking rapid. Um, which which would be he's good. Great bombing forward, Owen. Great bombing which, forward. Just his positional play a little bit at the back. Yeah, this is oh. what I was going to come on to, which would be good, but he'll probably be end, end up being one of those players, like a DeAndre Yedlin, where you go, well, he's fucking shite defensively, so why don't we just move him on the right wing? He's shit out there as well, so then he just sits on the bench all the time. Um, and with Bernardo, I've seen quite a bit of Bernardo. Um, I watched him when he was out in Germany uh, a little bit. And he uh, is a similar player to Paul Dummett. Um, like, sort of like, he's got like a centre-half type build. Um, he can, he, he, like, if he was to be a centre-half, he'd be a ball-playing centre-half. Um, he's got a nice cross and a nice long ball on him. Um, but he doesn't, he's not like one of those left-backs that you'd see bombing down the wing, which is something that I think we need, especially if we're not going to play Yedlin on the right-hand side and we end up playing Mankio. He's not that great going forwards. So I think either you need you need to have that balance of defensive on one side and attacking on the other. Yeah, and that's why Willems would definitely be my first choice because we've seen him do it. He can do it. Whether he can still do it after his injury, that's another question. But like we've seen firsthand that he does, he does have the ability to do it in the Premier League. Bernardo, there's, there's do... rumours, there's rumours about a freebie for Willems. You know that that desperate to shift his wages off the books now. There's even been talk about a free transfer available for him. And I think yeah. it's a no-brainer. You know, or bring him, bring him in for a loan. He's got a year left on his contract. Give him a loan for a season. And then we either sign him up for a free transfer next summer um, or you terminate the loan and he's out of contract. But um, again, just a bit of common sense thinking by Newcastle wouldn't take much to be able to, to sort that left-back uh, issue that we've got. That Everybody, every manager knows you can, you can get down Newcastle's full-backs all day long. You could literally... Um, the holes on either side of the defence do cost us and they need to be plugged. They need to be plugged. For sure. I mean, I, I'm more concerned about the right-back situation because we've been we've been pretty bad there for a while and you spoke about Yedlin being dire before, Paul. I mean, it's just no good. I mean, since we came up promotion-wise, we've been poor at right-back. I mean, Yedlin's had a handful of really good performances and so has Manquil, but I question the consistency of the two of them. Um, and Croft, uh, I mean, to it's come in and be good. Croft is not that bad. No, oh, and come the on. The end of last season, the end of last season. He was shit. I, he, he was a centre-back. A centre-back. Right. He had one good game against Bournemouth, mate, and honestly, yeah. I yeah, could have played it right back in the well, He's the, not that bad. Like, I think he'd be all right to stick around as like the third-choice right-back. Did like, you see him against Norwich? Uh, okay, against Norwich, that, that's that's different. That's different. Liverpool, but Tottenham. Most, yeah, Tottenham, I was going to say Liverpool next. Post <laughs> restart, he was not that bad at all. I thought he wasn't that bad, but 
I'd definitely get rid of Yedlin. And Manquillo, I think, is a keeper because I quite like him. Um, it just, he's a, at least he's, in an overall season, Man, Javier Manquillo is a 7 out of 10. He had a good season last, but there is still inconsistencies with Manquillo. I've got no problem in being the number two right back. He's a uh, decent crosser, Kyle. I'll give him that. Yeah, but was it against Sheffield United, I think I, I was down there, Bramall Lane, uh, and I think he set the was it him who set the uh, the SM goal up? And he has he has got a cross on him. He can get forward, and he's probably the best all rounder that we've got. But he's not as quick as Jedlin. And Kraft, I, I don't know. I, I, I've said before, I just I don't I don't see a footballer there. Yeah. I, I see somebody who's morphing into uh, Ashlaf Lazar every day. Um, no, that was all bad. I mean, I've got him on me. He's slipping down just for the just for the banter of it, because uh, the Chronicle reported he's uh, he's training at home and he's on thirty five grand a week. I, I got I was paid thirty five grand a week to work from who, home. Who who signed that off? Like, I, I mean, Rafa, I love you, mate, but some of the signings you made were flipping shocking. Matt Sells, Arkoff Lazar, Jacob Murphy, that's still to be proven, actually, or unproven. But, like, some of the signings he's made, my God, <laughs> Arkoff Lazar being the worst of the lot, but... Um... He is a particular uh, type of dog shit. He is <laughs> absolutely fucking what, wait, awful. I might miss something here, because I don't think we have the material to say Lazar is actually that shit. Has he played, how many how many senior games has he played for Newcastle? How many how many I wouldn't want him getting any senior games for Newcastle. I've seen enough. The, the I've only time enough. I've seen him the only time I've seen him play a game of football was against West Ham in the Asia in the Asia Trophy at the start of last season. And right. the only memory I have of him is putting uh, an inch perfect cross for was it Dwight Gale? Might have been, I don't know. But it was absolutely perfect. It was spot on. Oh. Do you remember what happened to her when we played? I think it was. Are you Brucey in disguise? Are you Brucey in disguise? <laughs> and he was all right when he went on like, Speaking of Bruce, he was all right when he went, went on like, yeah. Sheffield Wednesday as well. So he did. I he did take him to uh, Hillsborough on loan. Yeah. But um, oh no, they can have him back if they want. I'll drive him down as well. Whilst I'm but um, yeah, I, I mean, I I seen him playing in Bruce's first friendly, and then the. Uh, it was the first friendly against Wolves I've seen him play, and he was out of position for all of Wolves. I think two or three goals in in one half uh, when he was on the field, and I think that's enough. Um, I've seen him. I've seen him play against Cheltenham in when he first signed in the League Cup, but other than that, he hasn't really played. But I think it's more that there's a, that there's a reason that he hasn't played. Um, I don't think he trains nearly as good enough. Um, he's went out on loan and made zero impression. Um, and yeah, when he... in, a, in, a, in a team that Riviere looked good in, like Riviere could get in that team, right? But Lazar couldn't. Let that sink in. Riviere got in the team, but Lazar couldn't. Lazar was on the bench for the team that Riviere was a, a striker. It's it says everything you need to know about the lad. Uh, he's um, yeah, the best part of him dribbled down his mother's ass crack. He's that honestly bad i just I, honestly he's everything that's wrong he's like he's he's more of a model you know he's more of a, a catalog model or something like that and he just frustrates frustrates me i saw him jogging around wherever he's living at the moment sitting there in his newcastle shorts and stuff like that i thought you are taking the piss you're taking the piss 
there's not a grass stain or a mud stain on them shorts whatsoever. You've never had to wash them, have you? Because you'd never put the shift in. Um, honestly, he is one of the worst players and the worst things. I just want to get rid of him. I can't wait till his contract runs out. And he just goes, just go, do not come back. And no wonder Bruce has told him, just stay over there. Stay over there, son. Train over there. Get your agent on onto it and stuff like that. But I just don't think he's a footballer. I do not think he's a footballer. Nah, neither do I. But between Lazar and Henri Saive, there's 70 grand a week. Oh. £70,000 a week. Like, I could find better things to spend in a week than on them two. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but... Yeah, I hope they can get rid of the, the two of them because honestly, the the both the both the careers are just dying at Newcastle. But I was going to come off the the transfer related stuff, and um, because it seems we found a conclusion to the saga that is um, the Singapore group led by Michael Chopra and the Henry Morris stuff, which was led by Luke Edwards mainly on there uh, on Twitter and stuff. And the there's been two major directors apparently that have resigned from the Singapore group. So I think it's literally a case of what Paul said last week. The the 14-day free trial has run out and they haven't renewed it. So it's kind of, yep. they've kind of died a death and you're not allowed to use the service anymore. It's, uh, I think it's just been one of them. I think, honestly, I think both have been started by being sports or started by guitar, something like that, or by even by the Premier League to try and deflect attention away from protests away from petitions away from all this because you, you, you it's e it's so easy for someone to say oh new someone wants to buy Newcastle United because the the journalists up here they don't I don't really think many of them look into it. I don't think many of them go like oh this looks legit um they'll just post it because they know it'll get they know it'll get some clicks and attention. And I think this uh, I think the Premier League in Qatar have used that to their advantage personally. Now, I don't know what you think of it, Paul, but um, I'm happy that both the Henry Morris thing and the Singapore deal really have came to an end. Yeah, I think there were just names put out there to muddy the waters at the end of the day. Uh, they were there just to distract away uh, and um, you know, at the end of the day, the American lad, couldn't he, he had issues paying his own mortgage for his own home so how the hell is he going to front a bid to buy a Premier League football club? It's it's absolutely you know laughable. It's ludicrous. There was links back to where uh, it being uh, financed potentially by people in Qatar. It's a fucking joke. It's a circus. And you get onto them others. Like you said, the 14-day Adobe uh, trial ran out, and all of a sudden their bid just stopped at the same time. Uh, Photoshop and Barrick, uh, bloody Obama and stuff like that. You know. If you're going to go to a footballer to front your bid, would you go to Michael Chopra? No, I don't think you would do. Um, the, all the, the the noises, all of the you know your instincts just tell you that they were pure and utter just bullshit uh, put out there. And you know, part of you thinks is it to generate more interest, or then another part of you, the cynic in you, thinks it's to distract you from what's going on with the, the Saudi situation and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I think it's been a bit. I think it's been a bit, a bit of a bastard streak on the entire Newcastle United fan base. We've suffered once again, and now every time I see something coming back up on them, it's just a case of purely ignoring it. Everybody, I mean, Shearer came out and said, "I've got nothing to do with it." 
other companies have said, you know, have come out and said they've been here two minutes and um, it's bullshit. We said it looked like something off the BBC's Apprentice when we first saw it. You know, Lord Sugar and all of that sort of thing. Um, yeah, if you can smell uh, shit, it's most likely bullshit. Yeah, I think it's. I think it needs to be a lesson learned for the journalists up here because I'm not saying it's all of them. There are some genuine journalists out there that are good at what they do, and I'm not saying more any of them aren't. But like, some of them are very quick to post this, and like, I think, I think Luke Edwards is a is a good journalist. Yeah, he says how it is. He when he, he says how he thinks, and he's not afraid of that. However, his coverage for the um, Henry Morris stuff was nothing short of embarrassing. And I think he'll lose a lot of credibility over that that thing because of how hard he pushed it. Saying um oh it's a legit deal and all this. And he didn't even he didn't even know much about him as a bloke. And Owen, you you're very active on Twitter. Like the amount of things like Luke Edwards was saying in that, like to cause a stern, he's even admitted on uh, Gallagher shots when he did an interview for them that he likes winding fans up. And it's like friends tell him to stop, but he doesn't. And it's like, do you think the likes of Luke Edwards, and it's not just a Luke Edwards attack, it's to all journalists in general. Do you think all journalists could do a better job at like better coverage of links to Newcastle potentially being taken over? Because the amount of times we've tried to reel Wayne over the past couple of years in particular has been nothing short of a joke, really. Um for a start, I think journalists are as bad as politicians when it comes to to, to telling the truth on stuff. Um, it's not just journalists that deal with United, it's journalists that deal with all sorts of things. They never look into it. It's just the story. I work for the Daily Mail or I work for people. We want the kids. So here you go, you can have it. Um, they don't pick they, they don't pick the good stories, they don't pick the legitimate ones, what they pick is what will clicks and um it's it's sad really i wish that as in sport more specifically football um journalists were more truthful and more thorough with their work because at the end of the day sports fans football fans want to know like the ins and outs like they want to know 100 percent what's going on because at the end of the day that's their football club that's that's their bread and butter that's the color they bleed and um to be to be lied to or to not be told like concrete information just it doesn't sit right with me like i just don't to be honest don't ask me any questions about the, the like the henry morris thing or the singapore thing because as soon as i saw the singapore thing the fucking michael chopra and they wanted alan shira back as manager i just knew it just you could smell the dog i could smell the dog shit from in bournemouth like, it was that bad. Um, just just absolute rubbish. And I, I just think, what's what's the point? Like, my work is done um, in terms of being fussed with a takeover. The, the Saudi-led takeover was the, the last draw for me. Like, I put so much time and energy into that. Like, and it, it gave me a burnout trying to follow it all at the end. Like promoting that petition and signing it and and get like doing all that just for it to to come down to Richard Masters answering fan questions very loosely may I add um and you know the, the Saudis not being back again from what we know 
I just can't be bothered and I'm, I'll wake up when it's over. Yeah, it's it's literally a case of that, mate. We we felt so burnt out of it as well, Paul, didn't we? Um, with the with the whole Saudi thing, and it's went really quiet the last couple of weeks. And people are saying no news is good news, but you look at the facts they've pulled out and um, the couple of shit questions it's dead by. In the water. It's dead in the water. It's dead yeah, in the water. I think it is yeah. as well. I think it's gone. Um, you, you look. It, it's ridiculous because you know at, at the end of the day, the club that gets no communication at all. Newcastle United once again being shafted over and once again being given a lack of information, a lack of clarity. It's our football club. They are just custodians of it. You know, at the end of the day, the Premier League haven't got a dog in this fight. The people who are selling it want to sell it. The people who are buying it wanted to buy it. Yet somebody else can come in and say, no, I find it ridiculous. Then you see the situations at the likes of Wigan. You have had Portsmouth daily go out of business before. You've got the issues down at Charlton, so on and so forth and they just stick the head in you know under the sand and just say it's not us it's it's you know the football league or it's this that and the other but it's all interconnected Liverpool it's all sports. yeah yeah and it, it's all like do dodgy dealings and it's all friends of friends and you know when richard case can come out and he can say this is happening that's happening and the other's happening on a confidential process that tells you how corrupt and bent the the premier league is it's uh it's rotten to the core and you look at fifa which has been proven to be rotten to the core, uh, yeah. and likes you know likes to do stuff in a shady way. Are you honestly telling me that your wife is any different? Well, no, that's coming out at the moment. Are you telling me that some of the clubs are, are any different in the Champions League? No. Look at the Paris Saint Germain owners, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you're telling me that the Premier League are going to be any different, and and not going to be you know all these corrupt agreements and dirty deal, you know, deals and dodgy deals and stuff like that. No, they're just the same. They're all the same. The Premier League's the same as UEFA. UEFA is same as FIFA. FIFA, you know, is absolutely corrupt and bent. And um, we've just been shafted over. It, it's a cartel. They want to protect the establishment. Why rock the boat when it's going well for them at the moment? They get paid handsomely, and they don't want somebody else coming in and and you know uh, upsetting the apple cart and stuff like that. So um, I'm disgusted by the Premier League. I really am. Uh, Richard Cockmaster. Uh, and Richard Key's mate and stuff like that. Yeah, disgusting. But like you said, uh, you have both said, just absolutely burned out with it all. I mean, if Stavely and them wanted to, if the Rubens wanted to, they could buy Newcastle outright themselves. They don't need the Saudis to come in with them, you know, particular, you know, like a particular need. They could have them as a reduced owner of the club. Um you just know when when the Stavely thing comes out with the court case, if she wins, she's got enough money to be able to buy Newcastle all of a sudden. The circus is bound to rumble on, lads. It is bound to rumble on. But I, like yourselves, am absolutely fed up. I just want to wake up one day and it or have come up. Mike Ashley has sold Newcastle United. Yeah. I don't care what, for, what money for. I don't care if he triples his money, if he loses money or whatever. I just want Newcastle to have a fresh start and a little bit of hope. And I want our club back and I want our club communicating and trying to be its best. That's all I want. So just wake up one day, Newcastle sold. Nice one. Champion. Jobs are good and move on to the next. 100. That, that's how I feel, mate. Honestly, it's... Um, have you seen what the Premier League have done, though? They've, um, our first three games aren't televised at all. Yeah, so you've got to watch it. You've got to watch games, potentially illegally, in order to see our games. How fucking stupid can you oh. be? How so much people, of a dick shot can you take, idiot? Alternatively, you can listen to my mate Matty Ray's back, so... 
<laughs> nice flow. It, 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 for me though, it's I, I, I can't I can't listen to radio. I can't like no no just about the race, but he's, he's a great commentator. He made Matty Longstaff's goal against Man United all that much better. But I, I just can't do radio anymore. Like I'm not used to being at games and watching games and stuff. I think it's a it's an absolute disgrace that where we might not be able to see the first three matches of the season because one we're well behind closed doors because of the virus and then they're not going to be te- it's not going to be televised so it's like what the playing at every game needs to be televised if nobody can get in the grounds do you know what i mean otherwise well, literally what is the point if uh, football about fans is nothing and there's no fans there to watch or nor see it so what's what's the point it, I've got to understand that, Carl. You hit the nail on the head. Football is nothing without the fans, and, and you know they try and keep well, people away from the stadium. Uh, uh, but th- that's that's just encouraging people to go to the stadium. So what have they been? Why have they been a wet wipe? Exactly. Well, that's that's what the Premier League don't understand. I think is the fact that football is nothing without fans. They think that that I think their plan eventually is to move completely away from fans, have these empty stadiums. You know what I mean? Because. They, yeah, they, play, they play them where they want the to. Yeah, exactly. They think the Premier League, they think the league can survive without fans and they'll still get the same amount of money, the same amount of success. If anything, they'll completely kill it off. And that's slowly what they're doing by the looks of it. Well, look at um, look at the after the like, project restart. The, the football in and around it. Um the 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 Premier League still it still gives you the highest quality of football in the world. But without fans, it's soulless. It's dead. Like it was so shit. Uh, like I, I literally fell out of foot. I've fallen out of love of football a little bit because of the Premier League restart. Just because of how restart. soulless it is and how corrupted yeah. the Premier League is. The on the field stuff. If they think they can run the league without having fans in it, they're sorely mistaken. Because it's the little things you miss when they're not there. I mean, going to the match, seeing your mates and stuff. Like you, you miss that as well. You miss the social thing and being locked in the house for months and then have to put with the, the the Premier League what they've done with us with the with the takeover and stuff and then the then they're trying to take watching football away from her as well. It's like you just, just head on. that's just flipping let we'll have a club back instead of holding my back and holding my back. Like seriously what they got against were I know Gary Hoffman's got something against Amanda Staveley. I know for a fact he's got something against the Saudis because of his affiliation with um with Qatar Bale and um Barclays out all those years ago. Um, you know, it's like the jigsaw puzzle is there to be seen in the public eye. So why can't a, a journalist that we spoke about before look into it and investigate this? Because I'm sure they'd find a lot if they looked into it with their contacts and stuff. Do you know but what then I mean? It, it's upsetting the apple cart, Carl. At the end of the day, if they investigate, I don't know, say Liverpool, it's come straight to my head, a Liverpool or even Chelsea or somebody, right? And they find something out. That newspaper is then going to get zero access into that club for anything else. So they won't be able to use that to fill, fill up column inches. They won't be able to use that to generate, um, you know, advertising and clicks and all that sort of thing. So it's all very, very political. And I think I think journalism these days, to me, it's too safe. They don't have an opinion. They don't even have a don't even fart in public. Do you know what I mean? It's that tight. It's tight as a duck's ass. Uh, and they've taken all the personality. All of the, the 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 you know the characters out of it and stuff like that, and it's the same on the football pitch. You look at 10, 15 years ago, compare it to now. Where are the characters going, you know, 
where are they like the Finney Jones type players, the Gaza type players, you know, where are the Aspreas, the eccentric, you know, uh, players, where, uh, where is all that gone? The football yeah. has become sanitized and the journalism has become safe and, and, and sanitized and stuff as well. And it makes for a lesser product, but they need to understand it is better when the, the club is, you know, connected. Look at Norwich when we played them beginning of the last season and you had the fans, the owners and the, the players and the management team and everything all together working as one. It was fantastic to see and we were so envious, but clubs like Newcastle at the moment, it's so, you know, chopped up and then yeah. you're adding the, the journalists being so bland. I mean, why are they so scared? You know, like you say, it can only be risking relationships risking access into these clubs they are shit scared to go and ask the real questions if i had lee charney for 10 minutes to ask him some questions my questions would be a lot more cutthroat than what a uh a lee riders would be in a vice can't like little little things can i oh, be yeah. a bloody pulp <laughs> yeah simple questions but it's like I, I, I would ask it, you know, as a fan, as a passionate supporter, as somebody who's invested in it. It's not a corporate thing. I don't want to see flowcharts and spreadsheets, and I don't want to see that we're spreadsheet champions again uh, and all this sort of shit. I'm not interested in it. I'm interested in in is a, a football project. Do, do you know what I mean? I'm interested yeah. in ninety minutes. I'm interested in goals. I'm interested in personalities. You know, I'd much rather have players like. Like mad bastards like Tamiri Ketspire. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Uh, I, I want the colourful people involved in, in, in sport. And even previously, some of the owners and stuff like that were much more colourful. Now we've got Mike Ashley. You know what I mean? And the, no no oh, Jack Walker's type people about. There's nobody really... Like I say, it, it's just bland. It's a bit like what Sky Sports has become. More and more bland, more and more PC, more and more copy and paste type production and it's it's a shame it is it is such a shame but uh, it's the way that it's going and the strangling in the game at the moment and certainly the situation on the takeover has not helped one little bit yeah 100% mate but in terms of like in terms of news I think I think that's pretty much it where what are in terms of Newcastle news um, this podcast went on a, a, a lot longer than I thought it was I thought we'll, <laughs> I thought we'll pay for news this week but um, there is one thing I did want to cover because Owen Owens came on. He's, he's obviously he's 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 joined the illustrious club of people that have left NFTV in the last couple of months. Um, but um, Owen, you're now a part of Magpie Center. I was going to say I nearly said twenty four seven there. Um, part of Magpie <laughs> Center, um, which you've been you've been working on for a little bit now and. I just want want you to tell like our audience about it and and where we'll find you and stuff like that. So we're only on Twitter at the moment. Um, we're a news page. I mean, we try and spruce it up a little bit because we understand that Newcastle United news isn't the most exciting stuff sometimes, especially when you've got yeah. drowsy old takeover news like we were talking about a minute ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's it's a bit more professional um than than you know like some of the likes of the other newcastle pages we've tried to just keep it as clean as possible and just just quote things that have come out just to just to give fans that bite-sized piece of piece of information that's come out so they can be kept up to date with it um 
we've, we're trying new things like um, moving graphics as well. Compared to having your standard photo, we've got moving graphics. Um, just stuff like that. Um, I think it, it's exciting having a fresh canvas, definitely. Um, we're, yeah. we're going to try and push it. I mean, we've almost got 100 followers in the first two days of the page being fully up and running. So um, it's it's going well so far, yeah. Well, I've got to say, mate, I do like the moving graphics and that um, because I've seen I've seen them on the Twitter and that. But uh, um, we'll probably we'll probably retweet you and stuff like that because when when we usually give our opinion on things, we usually retweet and quote the tweets. So we'll probably we'll probably use use uh, Magpie Center for that because it it looks fairly edgy um, and, and and quite quite professional, like you say. But um, how did it come about? Because like. I don't know much about I, I don't know much about this because, as far as I, I was concerned, when I left when I left uh, NFTV, like pr everything was fr pr set for the fresh start and stuff. And you know, you've 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 started this new project as you say, as a fresh canvas. So, how did it come about? Because it's not just you, is it? So no, we, there's five of us in total. Um, and how it came about was a couple of days before I left NFTV, or maybe a day before. Uh, my friend Robin from Holland, who used to do, or still does, I'm not quite sure, um, did, we was doing some stuff for Gallagher Shots, came at me and said, like, look, I've got this new project, do you want to be co-owner of it, whatever, like, we're going to be covering news. You know, so I'm trying to um, compete with some of the bigger Newcastle pages. Um, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, because there's nothing better than having something that you can do yourself and, and be creative with. All we had... All he gave me was a logo, and then he went, go do what you want to do. Um, there's no color guideline. There's no, like, way I want to be. All I knew was we're a news page, so it's got to be relatively sleek, and we've got our logo. And I just went from there, and I've really enjoyed it so far. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, more than I've ever enjoyed graphic designing for any thing or anybody else before i've really enjoyed it um so there's five of us each one of us covers something different so me and robin we sort of just post whatever um so the yeah. stuff in the day where you see like the yes or no stuff or like um the, the videos like there's a ryan fraser video that went out today as well of his like best mate bits of the 18 19 season um that's me but the others like so we have one that does various news we've got one that does transfer news and we've got one that does match day updates which i'm quite excited because to see because i'm not sure there's any other um page out there that does a minute by minute match day update apart from the official twitter account um so that'll be quite an exciting thing to have i think um but yeah it it's it came a couple of days before I left TV and that all ended quite quickly and abruptly and didn't really get to say many goodbyes, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a minute. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, that, that, that's good, mate. That's probably one thing me and Paul have um, really, really enjoyed since we left uh, NFTV is the, the freedom that we've had. Um, go and create yourself. The pressure's all on you, whereas kind of... At NFTV, like Lee would, Lee would like edit the video and and stuff. Whereas here, it's like the pressure's all on you, kind of thing. And like if you don't do it, it's not going to get done, kind of thing. Um, the 
it's just that it's just that freedom to go and create and do what you want. So if me and Paul want to talk about how Christian Atu was was shit against not first a couple of years ago for twenty minutes on a podcast, we can. Do you know what I mean? If um want to talk about the glory days of when when Paul went to his first game or, or or like when I went to my first game, we can go and do that. Do you know what I mean? That's the that's the beauty of it, but the beauty of it. And like obviously we've been able to go through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, obviously Spotify, and we're looking towards YouTube in the in the long term future. But uh, that's where you are looking to go eventually, aren't you? On uh, on Magpie Center, you are looking to evolve to Facebook, YouTube, and, and and Instagram as well. Yeah, so obviously it's it's with it being like a, a blank canvas and stuff can always go wrong when we can't have the lift that we that we crave and that we want and we're going to strive to get but what um i have no doubt that we will reach our targets um i mean i've set the lads a task again 200 followers by the end of next week whether that's possible or not i have no clue but um fingers crossed um but yeah I, the plan is to move on to instagram facebook um youtube um, as the Twitter page grows, I think Twitter is a brilliant place in terms of Newcastle United because you have the opinion on there. Whereas something like Facebook, no disrespect to you guys, Facebook's a brilliant place to, to, to generate those views and, and, and whatever. But Twitter is a play, more of a place for opinion, whereas Facebook is like, just all for your feed type thing. Um, my opinion on it anyway but as we yeah. grow we'll expand um i'm sure we'll bring more people in and youtube for me is is the goal i think youtube's probably one of the things we'll look at but youtube is the goal for me um we'll grow the team and hopefully we can be out there to compete with uh our former our former friends so um so yeah I mean, for like for me, I've never, I don't really look at it as as competition, and I, I like I never have. Like for me, it's it's just like we're as as I've said many times on this podcast before. We're, we're, like there's a lot of fans who stand under different flags, whether it's Magpie Group, Gallagher Shots, NUST, Magpie Channel, Newcastle Fans TV, Magpie Twenty Four Seven, Magpie Centre. Um, Binks, Proudlock, Rubenstein, you know, there's there's loads of fans that stand up under different flags and then you funnel down to followers who might follow certain channels and whatnot. And as Paul's spoken about, like, different things for different people in terms of content, but at the end of the day, we'll stand under the one umbrella, which is Newcastle United, do you know what I mean? So there's no point bitching, there's no point go, like, going on and going at each other and digging at each other and... And trying to one up each other and, and all this shit. We're all Newcastle fans at the end of the day. Sure, competition is healthy because you you strive to stay on top and stuff. But just get along. I mean, you 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 messaged me. Um, I remember Owen when you said when I seen Magpie twenty four. When I realised Magpie twenty Magpie Centre was you, and I was and um, you were like, oh, I'm not competition. I, I, I don't see is that mate. Come on as many podcasts as you want. I'm sure when YouTube pops up i'm sure me and paul could come on a couple of shows where to, to um to to shoot the breeze and have it and have a good laugh with things like we'll have yeah like it's just it's just a crack and a laugh to me mate it's not it's not like um it's not all this all this at each other and that because like it's not just like youtube and, and spotting podcasts and that it's 
among the fan base as well at times. And it's one thing I really don't like about the fan base where the they want the same things, but the, the they have different ideas of doing it and they go against each other, where whether that be the, the anti Ashley out stuff or whatever it may be. But crack on. I, I wish you all the best, mate, with you with Magpie Center and the, the other four lads that are with you. Um, and the, and we're previous friends at NFTV. I wish them all the best as well. Mm. I mean, I hope I, ho I hope the new lads that Lee's brought in are are, are are as are as good as we we were for the channel. And I hope the, the hope they kick on. But uh, Lee, honestly, I don't have any malicious intent towards them at all. But yeah, it's just it's just one of them. It's just one of them, mate. But um, links for Magpie Centre will be in the description for Spotify, and we'll also. Share it on Facebook and Twitter for you as well, and to try and get you to that uh, two hundred follower goal. But um, before we, I, we'll I send... think that, I think they'll do that. I think they'll, they'll more than. I mean, it's professional as hell. It looks the absolute dog's bollocks. It looks spot on, mate. Absolutely spot on. But I just touch on you, what you said there, Kyle. It's all about community, and that's what we said on podcast number one. That was one of our major major goals: is to work across the entire. Uh, Newcastle United, you know, supporters community working together collectively as one. Obviously, we've done stuff with the uh, the NUST, um, you know, already talking to different people, uh, YouTube, you know, creators. We're talking to people uh, who are on Twitter, Facebook, you name it. It's just important to remember that at the end of the day, everybody is. Um, Know, Newcastle supporters, but of course you want the very, very best for the brand that you're on and you represent. But it's it's great. At the end of the day, it's a blank canvas, and um, you know, exciting you make, stuff for you. Yeah, it, it's exciting stuff, isn't it? Each day is a new new adventure. You're picking up new skills and, and trying things out. What works and what doesn't work. You know, it's all trial and error. Yeah, it is. But Owen, mate, is there, is there anything you want to add regarding Magpie Centre before before we sign off? No, that's it. Um, all I'd say is like, well done to you guys, because I checked your Twitter or the yesterday or today, but you guys are doing one the whole follower count and following follower count. Sorry, English. Um, <laughs> but yeah, well done to you guys for like having such a swift lift off. How long how long you guys guys been going for now? Like a month? Uh, we've, we've just hit over a month, and on uh, on all yeah. platforms, will I get? Uh, Four thousand, like so. We're, we're we're doing. We've had a we've had a good start. Put it that way. Um, yeah, really good start. Just like, about getting more people involved and trying to trying to keep keep the momentum going. I mean, numbers is very little to me as well. I know I, I went on a massive tirade about the about the farm base before, but I mean, it's nice. It's nice, and it validates the hard work that you do. Numbers, but I don't get too tied into it. Do you know what I mean? It's not. It's not the be all and end all of, of anything. If you enjoy what you do, then then crack on. I mean, me and me and Paul mm. would would if we weren't doing this podcast, as I've said before, we'd be chatting shit in voice notes. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. I would message you on on Messenger as well, Owen. But um, if there's nothing else to say regarding Magpie Centre, it'll be everything. Links will be in the description as well for the Twitter and the the well, just the Twitter for now, and obviously the Instagram, and that'll come into. Yeah, when it comes, it comes. But but when they stop, if you want, we'll we'll get you on again, and we can uh, plug the descriptions again for you. Uh, it, plug the plug the things in the description for you when when they launch, like Instagram and your YouTube channel and all that stuff. But um, yeah, that wraps up episode eleven. 
of rounding up the week for Magpie 24-7 and hopefully both, um, well, me, Owen and his his lot and me and Paul both prosper and both do well. And hopefully by, when the next time Owen comes on, um, he's 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 hit the two hundred followers. I mean, I'd hope so. <laughs> if it's a, if it's a goal to hit immediately, but um, yeah, we'll sign off for for the night and uh, yeah, catches on the next one, everyone, and uh, yeah, catches in a bit. See you later. Keep it tight.